Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 205. This week's show is revisiting the episode that I did all about how to start a business when you are working a nine to five job. And I know this is a big dream for many people and many of you who are listening. And it's really exciting to start a business while you're also working, but it's also no joke. It was, you know, it's a lot of hard work. So it was really no surprise to me as well when this episode came back as one of the most downloaded from season four. And I think it is partly because I kind of dish the dirt on what really goes down when you're working a full-time job, but also working to build something on the side. I'm not too much about the hustle, and so like side hustle isn't my thing at all. I think that's, uh, you know, it's kind of like more of a mindful building of a business that matters to you. And so it was really kind of... um, I love that I got to share all of this information with you guys, and it also felt very much like it was uh, cathartic in a way, because many of the things that I was doing, I didn't necessarily feel comfortable sharing with the audience, because I knew that some of the people I worked with listened, and my former boss was a listener, and so it was a little bit awkward for me to really be completely transparent with everyone about the steps that I was taking on the side to build a business while I was continuing to be a very hard worker, you know, a worker that was in integrity with the things that I was doing every day. I was very mindful about how hard I worked and the things that I made sure I did. So, you know, how do you hold those two things in balance and be integrity, you know, have integrity about both? Um, And I think it's totally doable. And it's kind of fun to look back at this episode. Uh, I left my nine to five job in January of 2019. And so this is the episode of how I did it. If you're new around here, welcome, welcome. I am so glad to have you. Jumpstart Your Joy is a podcast that started in 2015. And uh, I love doing these annual roundups of each season. And so there is just one more after this. And then we will start off season five. I cannot believe it. And if you want to find out more about the show, you can go to the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can find the show notes where I list out some of the links and other things that I talk about at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash 925. While you're there, you're going to want to sign up. I just know it. (laughs) For my weekly newsletter, which is called Three Things Thursday. It goes out on Thursday. And I talk about the inspiration, intention, and action that you can have in your life that will lead to more joy. I'm also pretty excited because I get to unpack some of the things that I talk about in each of these episodes in a deeper way. So it's a lot of fun to do to get to do that too and have y'all along for the ride. Um, so those all that stuff's there on the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. And so let's just jump right on in to this episode about how to start a business. So you want to start a business. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know how that feels. Um, as I have taken this leap out to be an entrepreneur on my own, it hit me that there were a lot of pivotal moments and a lot of learnings that I could share about that journey and some of the ups and downs around it with you guys in kind of a podcast format and use the lens of inspiration, intention, and action, and then share the things that I've done on my journey. And then the things that I see someone who's starting out 
what you might be able to do on your journey based on the information that I've gleaned out here doing my thing. So let's kick this off with the inspiration phase of how I started my journey, um, which began in about 2011 or 2012. I had been working for several years in advertising agencies in San Francisco as a project manager. And also on the side for several years, I was leading retreats, inspirational retreats at San Damiano, which is a retreat center in Danville, California. And it struck me that, well, I mean, in retrospect, that there were two places that I was sensing and receiving inspiration, both internally and externally. And we'll break down what that means. So internally, I've gotten really good at this point, but kind of good at that time in tuning into my body about what felt right, you know, in a scenario or a situation. And if something was bringing me joy or not, you can probably do this as well, along with kind of tuning in to see if you intuitively are able to decide what your next step is. So in the past, I've talked about listening for what I call a full body yes. Um, when I think about what is the step I want to take, or if I want to make a move, or if I want to do something new. Like in my heart and in my gut, is it a full body yes? And that would mean yes, I do want to do this. <laughs> the flip of that is listening for what would be called a full body no. And that's when I've come into contact or something that isn't a match for me for me at all. And I think the thing to tune in really closely there is usually full body yes is like kind of intuitive inspired, you know, you're in spirit, inspired, and you know that it's right. It's it's beyond a knowing. It's a full body experience. And the same thing to be is to be said for the no. And I think the, the key is starting to listen to when you have one or the other of those moments. The inspiration slash intuition piece also led me into this direction because I was into this space, like I said, where I was leading retreats and by day doing advertising work as a project manager. And it it started to hit this space for me where I didn't feel good about doing both of those things. Because on the one hand, on a weekend, I would be telling people, here's how to unwind and decompress and how to not listen to all the messages that the world is sending you. And then on Monday morning, after those very retreats, I would walk in to a business office and start making the messaging basically that was doing exactly the opposite of what I was encouraging people to do on the weekend, right? Like I was creating advertising and the kind of advertising I was doing is consumer packaged goods and it's all innocuous, but it's still, there's also still that undercurrent of messaging. You need this thing you could be more, you're not enough yet. And I really felt like that kind of messaging, it was it was hard to stomach that I was doing both things. And so what I discovered was that in looking at kind of the juxtaposition of those two things that I was doing was that I wanted to do something more like the retreat leading. Now, I want to be super clear that the inspiration was there, right? I knew like I felt really inspired and in spirit and intuitively sensed that that was the direction I, I should and could head. But I didn't know what the end game would be, right? I, I got the sense that it probably wasn't retreat leading all by itself. That felt like a skill set and not a goal, but I wanted to do more of that. I loved creating experiences, new things for people to experience. 
I loved the way that retreats hold space for people and allow them to reconnect with who they are at a real soulful level. And I really loved the interpersonal part of it, including the fact that I got to work with a team, kind of brainstorm and create these experiences that often spanned an entire weekend, although we did lead some day retreats as well. Each of those things that were exciting about the retreat experience were things that I wanted to say yes to. At the same time, so here's the other internal piece of this, I was experiencing a full body no at the day job that I had in advertising. And this was several years ago, so not just the job that I left, but many people have a backstory about a corporate escape that they have made. And my, I have one as well. (laughs) Um, I'd been working in this one agency. We were in a very large open room, you know, kind of open desk and open floor plan where everyone was at these kind of long rows of desks with no dividers. And the president, his office sat at one end of these long rows of desks. And I mean, I believe now that it was because he was able to kind of keep watch literally over everybody and what they were doing. And so he would notice when somebody would come in late and publicly call them out for it. He would also have (laughs) the secretary call people when they weren't doing something that he liked. I mean, it was just it was it's it was insidious. And so my breaking point really came when on a Saturday when we were working on a big project, he called me and told me that the whole team needed to come in and work on a Sunday, which I'm not cool with. I need some balance here myself. But I knew that one of our engineers named Brian regularly attended church with his family. And he had already told me like, I just can't work Sundays. That's a non-negotiable for me. And this president said, I'm sure that God will understand that Brian needs to work to help pay for his family's expenses. And I was just, I mean, I can't really give you a full description because I don't know that there's words for the level of grossness that this (laughs) carried for me. But it was like, that was a full body no. Like, no, you, you, this has truly crossed a line. And so I was in this space where internally I had this full body yes towards whatever retreat leading is and how do I do that? And I had this very visceral full body no to the situation that I found myself working in. Around the same time, I was also starting to see some other people who were really inspiring me around the lives that they were building for themselves. And I think it's an important footnote to make here that sometimes comparison can be the thief of joy, right? When you're saying, I, you know, why can't I be more like that person? For me at this time, I was really inspired by the work some people were doing, seeing that they were able to craft this life that they wanted to live. And to me, that was like, look, here's something you could do. And there is a way to do this. Like you could make a living doing something else was kind of the subtext. And and those people um, are still out there today. Jessica Swift is an amazing illustrator. And her friend and my friend now too, Michelle Ward, they'd written a book together. And so I, like, I started to see and have this awareness of this other kind of life that people could create for themselves. And at the same time, uh, right about the same time, I was I picked up um, Wayne Dyer's book, The Power of Intention. I mean, it w- seems like coincidence at the time, but now I can see there is good reason for this. And that really became an inspiration to me as well. And I can see that like these things all meshing together at the same time kind of created this, I mean, perfect storm of like 
this is the inspiration I need uh, to get out of where I'm at. I kind of had finally gotten tired of my own bullshit, as Elizabeth Gilbert likes to say. And that was the inspiration, all those individual pieces that said to me, here's what I want. I know I need something different. I want to choose joy. It's kind of another way of saying that in the way I talk about things. And I know I need to do something else and kind of had, not a full idea, but I kind of had an idea of what that might look like for me. If you are currently in the space where you're like, yeah, I can relate to the job (laughs) description that you just gave, it sounds equally gross to wherever I'm at. First, I'm so sorry. And second, yes, those workplaces are out there. And third, yes, please find your way out to either something you would love to do more or find a way to make it work for you. Um, maybe there is something that you could shift or change right now that would make that working environment better for you. Some other thing, things to think about, though, and this might be a good journaling exercise. All these questions are over in the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash build a business. So go over there. If you're like driving, you're like, this sounds great, but I don't have time to look at these right now. There'll even be a downloadable worksheet for you if you just want to print them out and then write on that. Here's the questions that I would ask yourself um, for your journey in this inspiration phase. If you're stuck in a place that doesn't feel right, and I think you access your body, do you have a full body no going on? I want you to get curious. What's going on? What isn't working? Can you define it for yourself? If you access your body and stay there for just a few minutes, what do you sense? And that really is kind of the body sense. What do you sense is going on? What wisdom comes up when you think about the job you currently have? Is there something to learn about this situation? Because I think that'll be something really important for you to notice. What's not working? Why isn't it working? And how can that inform what you want next, right? So you don't just repeat the pattern. If you're not feeling like you fully know what the next thing is for you, can you tap into something that you know you want more of? So similar to my saying, I know I want more of the retreat thing, whatever that is, I kind of know the pieces of it that I love. You could stop and think for a little bit, okay, what else have I done that has similarities or something that I can tap into that feels similar to that other thing that I know I like. The important footnote here is that you don't have to have that thing fully fleshed out for you just to take the next step. And because that's actually a lie (laughs) that fear likes to tell you, because when you believe you have to have it all figured out, well, that's too much to do in a day or a week or whatever. So you're just probably going to stay, keep playing small while you believe the lie that you have to have it all figured out before you can take the next step. For me, early on, saying yes to something felt better than staying where I was. And some of the things that I said yes to, and these may not seem like obvious connections, but I took acting classes. I later took improv classes. I didn't know why at the time, but I can now see that both of these come into play in making a podcast, right? I oftentimes kind of tap into the improv ideals when I'm asking questions of people. I'm just asking the first thing that comes up to in my mind. I don't judge it. I just put it out there. And so those two things, though, in my own past of acting and improv also gave me more information about what might be next, gave me some clues. Here's the next question for you. What thing feels interesting and joyful and that you could pick to try next? What thing feels interesting and joyful 
And what is something that maybe you could pick to try next? So you don't stay stuck. You try something new. You're not too attached to the outcome, but it's something to get you closer to those things or the thing that you love. And how can you see it as an experiment where you're just getting info back to you on what feels right? Like leave the end game out of the equation. And how can you just make this about what might feel right or better than what I'm doing right now? And again, you can find that full list of questions on jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash build a business. Now let's move into intention. Once you've had this inspiration, this aha moment, or this kind of the lights go on and you you can't ignore the thing, in, in this case being, I know I don't want to keep doing this gross job that I'd had. <laughs> I know I want something more. And I know it looks something like the stuff I loved so much in retreats. Intention, let's add, a, I'm going to give you a little more backstory on this job as well. While I was working there, I was driving three to four hours a day to get there. <laughs> and I realized during that time, I had a lot of time to think, was that I needed, and it was a need, not just a want, it was a need. I think it's really important for you to differentiate between those two things. But I needed to do something that allowed me to spend more time with my family. It was no longer acceptable for me to spend four hours in a car a day just to get to the work. My, te- my intentions also quickly aligned to be that I wanted to feel more joyful. So I'd say that my intentions out of that period of time became something along the lines of, I want to feel more joyful and spend more time with my family. And again, I want to underline that the intention is really more of a way that I was stating my intended feelings or the things that I wanted. And it was not, and, and I don't think intentions need to be, an end game. Again, you don't have to know where you're headed. You just have to know more of what you want. And that's where the intention, you're calling that in for yourself. And so at that time, I didn't really have a whole picture of what it was that I wanted to do. I didn't know that. And I think another really important thing to note is when you're in that space and you don't know yet, one of the hardest things I noticed, especially because I'm a planner, I'm a project manager, I want to know what's next. One of the really hard things to do for yourself during that period of time is is to get really comfortable with not knowing everything, to get really comfortable with being in a space that's uncomfortable and being comfortable with being curious because that's what you've got and that's what's going to lead you. Instead of the plan, the curiosity is going to lead you. It's that piece that is following intention. It means that I'm open to saying yes. And that, of course, goes back to improv. See, these things all do tie together. And it also means that I don't always know what saying yes leads to. I'm not attached to the outcome, which is more of a coaching thing. The other way that I got myself aligned with my intentions and got my head around what those intentions meant, so I want to feel more joyful and I want to spend more time with my family is by doing what I have since come to call the 10 in 3, which is what last week's episode was all about. And it involves getting quiet and listing out 10 things that I'm going to do over the next three years. Super simple. But yet I think it was a big differentiator because I didn't just stay out in that lofty idea of I'm inspired. Inspiration is great and it makes you feel wonderful. 
But until you cull that down into what am I going to do with that inspiration, it's just that. And I think it was a big differentiator for me because as a multi-passionate, which we talk about a lot on this show, I've got a lot of ideas. I've got a lot of things that I want to do. And sometimes it's really hard to sort through them and say yes to a couple of them and no to a few others. And so narrowing them down and, you know, not allowing myself to get stuck in the overwhelm of having too many ideas, I harnessed the ones that I wanted to bring forth into the world. And I got super intentional and mindful about what I chose to do. So if you want to learn more about that process, you can go listen to last week's episode, which is 170, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash 10 in three. The last side note I'll say about this intention setting is, especially if you are just formulating those ideas of what you want the next thing to be, and you're going through that 10 and three process, is to practice kindness. It can be really hard to start to call this stuff down and get focused and narrow it down. And there's also all sorts of stuff in this process that don't go as planned. So I encourage you to be kind to yourself when those things, you know, go sideways on you because they will. (laughs) And really kindness is a wonderful thing to model back for yourself. For your journey in setting your intentions and figuring out what they are, here are my thoughts. You've probably heard me say it before, but joy is what I like to call a wayfinding emotion. I feel like anytime you're saying yes to something that's different than your current set of circumstances, especially when those circumstances are not acceptable to you, that you're responding to that nudge of joy or that invitation to feel joy. So if you're on this journey and you're unclear about how to get to your intention piece, here's a few things that you might want to consider. Number one, spend some time listening to your heart or what your body is telling you. What do you really want to do? What have you always dreamed of doing? Are your current choices of what you're doing in alignment with that direction? Yes, then that's great and you're living intentionally. If you're answering no, that my current choices are not in alignment with the direction I really desire, well, then it's time to start unpacking the why. And that might be something you do with a coach. You could talk to me. I'm a certified coach. You could find a friend to talk to. You could journal this. You could also try the 10 and 3, and you can find all that in episode 170. Another thing that I think is so important in this intention phase, especially if you've been thinking about it for a while, is to dive into some personal growth. I find it's often really hard to follow your intentions if you're questioning your personal worth or if you're not clear on who you are. It's nearly impossible to run for your dreams if you don't internally feel like you're worth it. It took me a really long time to feel like I was worthy of paying for coaching for myself. And and this just I, this is a realization I've made in the last little bit of time that like I would justify a way why I should not pay for coaching. Like I can do this on my own. I can effort my way through this would be new language for that. But part of this for me had been perfectionism, the same thing as efforting my way through. And I'd always been good in school. These are things I can do. I can figure it out. And so it was kind of something I had to come to grips with was maybe I need to unpack some of these things in a different way and 
to admit that there were things I didn't know was hard, but also to admit that I was worthy of paying someone else to to be on the journey with me to figure out what was going on. That was a huge step in the right direction for me. So I came to realize that part of it was really fear of going after what I really wanted. Part of it was fear of even admitting what I really wanted. Like I really wanted to become this kind of consultant that does project management and helps people realize their dreams, but that gets super scary, especially when you don't even have the language for it. So a coach or some diving into some personal growth is a great way to do this. And I want you to give yourself permission right now to choose the things that you want to do and then accept help in getting there if you can. And if you want to reach out and work with me on that, you can reach me at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com and I would love to help you. The third step, of course, after you have sussed out your inspiration and intentions for what it is that you want to do is to go into action. And I think a lot of times people just start with the action process. (laughs) They don't really plan out what they're doing. And that can be detrimental if you haven't done some of the background work. I also recognize that to create a business and juggle a life and work a nine to five is really hard. Like this is no joke that if that's what you're trying to do, I want you to recognize that it is hard. And once I'd gotten mindful and clear about what I wanted to do, which was be a coach and create a company and build a client base, those are all in my 10 and three from 2014. I started building it slowly. I started in 2011 working with a coach. I got certified as a life coach in 2015. I went out for a year by myself in 2016 and then went back to a nine to five job. And now I'm out on my own again. So as I was building slowly, I was saying yes to things that felt right. If you find yourself in that space of you've tried and then you have to go back to work, I want you to get really clear on the action pieces again of like, okay, what do I need? Where do I want to be? Because when I went back, I tried to find the most joyful boss I could find, and that's where I went. And I bring up this side of the story you might be questioning right now. Like, well, you said you were going to talk about action. Why are you talking about how you went back to a nine-to-five job? And I'm bringing this up because it's the part of the story that most people don't talk about, about the long path about the winding road. I'm bringing it up as permission for you to do what you need to do. Again, need. It's not always the same as want. (laughs) You need to do to make it work. So permission granted for you to do the things you need to do to make it work. Because I feel like even though I'm celebrating this milestone of me being out on my own again, I think it's also really important to underscore and underline that We don't always talk about or hear about the whole story behind how someone got to where they were. Yes, I took all the action steps to get here, but it also wasn't like the checklist, the perfect checklist of how one might think it goes. I want you to let that sink in. So if you're on your journey, you don't feel like, ooh, I failed because I had to go back or I failed because this didn't work the way I thought it should. It kind of goes down to that thing of, Don't compare your beginning with somebody else's seven years in, right? Like, that's not fair to you. They started somewhere. You just might not know their whole story. For some of the really practical pieces, I will also link to a blog post that I wrote a few years ago about how to maximize downtime, even while you're at a nine to five, and how to keep a running list of things that you can do during the day. Um, That was 
one of the things I would do each week was I would kind of set up a list of things that I knew I wanted to accomplish for the side business. And I would keep that, you know, in a Google Doc or something else that I could reference, regardless of where I was, as long as I had internet, I could see it. And then as I realized on a lunch break or a little bit of downtime, pull up the list, work through it, just do the next thing until I made some progress because taking any step at that point, even little steps is, uh, is progress towards an end goal. So I also made the most of my lunch breaks. I would do coaching on my lunch hour. I did podcast interviews on my lunch hour and I worked pretty hard to find a place and stay at a place or, you know, stay employed at a place that allowed for some work from home days, which meant that even though my commute at this most recent job was not that bad, it meant that I had those extra probably hour and a half to two hours a day back for me to do what I wanted to do. And so I would make mindful use of the time. You know, it wasn't just a, you know, wake up, roll out of bed and just become reactive. It takes a lot of planning and mindful planning and knowing where you want to go and then slowly checking off each of those tasks. I also tried to be mindful of not overscheduling myself because as you grow, and especially as you get near the end where you're going to step out on your own, it becomes apparent that you're doing a lot of work. You know, it really became almost two full-time jobs because what I wanted to do was set myself up so that I was working and then I had enough income coming in that I could step out onto that and the difference between full-time income and now coaching and entrepreneurial income was enough. I didn't want to have a huge gap where I had to make up a difference. And so the, I was working two jobs there for a bit. And I'm proud of that. But I think it's also being really mindful of what your schedule is, how much you can handle, and not overdoing it too much. For your journey, if you are stepping out into taking the steps to build this business, the best insights that I can give is find the moments that you can use to do something meaningful for your day that will add up to your business. Even if you're only able to do 15 minutes a day, I mean, I think that's eight hours a month that you're actually giving towards a business. It adds up. So keep that in mind and schedule and use those little moments so that you will get stuff done. I also read Essentialism by Greg McCowan last year, and I highly recommend it, whether you're in the midst of building a business or you already have a business, because McCowan does a really amazing job of breaking down how you can right-size your efforts and gives you this lens so that you can focus on the most impactful and meaningful thing in your business. And an example of that for me is I've noticed that I get zero traction on Twitter. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> but knowing that that's like not my place, you know, my my posts don't get a lot of likes and very few retweets. And that's fine. I cut back though on posting there so much because there was very little return. And it wasn't bringing me any joy. And so it's one of those things that wasn't serving me. I'm going to cut that out. I do see that I get more interaction on Instagram and Facebook. And so we kind of upped that. In addition to really paring that down and, and focusing on the essential few things that you need to do, to use uh, McCowan's language, is to right size how you define success. And that might sound like kind of a confusing term, but I think it's very easy to look at some traditional 
measures of success, meaning it's income. You know, if, if you see somebody and they're really excited about their six figures, it could be number of followers. It could be that you feel like you need to have X number of clients to be successful. I want you to take a, a little bit of time and reconsider how you are defining success for yourself, especially when you're in this building phase, because your time is limited. And if you're focusing on the essential few, how can you look to define success for how it fits into your life and your business in the present? And what do I mean by that? For me, it meant, sure, there were other people that had, you know, 15 to 20 clients, coaching clients. But when, and that could be a measure of success, and I'm happy for them, and that is amazing. But when I have two to three hours a week that I could set, you know, I could open up to take a client, that limits the number I can take. And so success to me would be having two clients. And that's amazing as well. And so I think, It's one of those things where you have to right size. It's not really expectations, but how you're defining success so that you don't get discouraged and feel like, you know, you're not measuring up to somebody else's metrics because that's not your game right now. And I think that can ultimately be very discouraging when you're trying to build is to compare yourself. This is the kind of negative side of comparison when it's not pushing you forward or giving you inspiration. It's if it's making you feel bad, let go of that and find your own definition of success. And so that's it. That's the inspiration, intention and actions that you can take to build your own business while you're working a nine to five. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I hope you learned a lot, got to take a peek behind the scenes of how I started a business while I was still working a nine to five job. Very interesting, I know. And I'm, I already feel better of having gotten that off my chest. <laughs> Just kidding. If you want to find out more about this episode, you can go to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and it's at forward slash nine to five. You'll see all the links and stuff about the things I talked about and um, check that out. You can also sign up for the newsletter right there on the website where you'll, you'll hear from me each week about a little bit more behind the scenes of what I'm thinking about each episode and how you can apply the learnings that we see there to your life, which is kind of fun. Next week on the show is the final episode of season four and we are rounding it out uh, by looking back at the conversation i had with jess ekstrom she is the ceo of headbands of hope and i met her at a conference over a year ago now and it was just such a delight to get to chat to chat with her she's a very inspirational lady and she has a book coming out in november so i'm hoping she'll come back to talk to me about that one Uh, but we talk about will ferrell how humor can be like a connector for people and how it's very inspirational and lovely and then a lot about how to grow a business which is interesting we talk a lot about what works and then even how we can learn from the things that didn't work and and how there's always growth and that happens and sometimes things just don't go as you plan so i hope you will come back for that conversation with jess and until then i hope that your days are filled with so much joy